Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And welcome to the second part of the Spurs shoe, Spurs shoe, the Spurs shoe, the Spurs show review of the season. Please welcome back to talk about the season, Theo Delaney and Pete Hayne. We had uh, Burnley away 1-0, Sun header with the Kane flick on. Brighton 2-1 when Bale scored with that great header. West Brom 1-0, late goal from Kane. And then again, another Great performance, uh, one of their only defeats this season. And I think after this game, they went on that incredible run, yeah. beating Manchester City at home 2-0. Yep. Uh, Theo, do you, do you remember that one? Yeah, again, well, that one really was the absolute Mourinho, the so-called Mourinho masterclass, wasn't it? Where they had the ball most of the game, but we absolutely punished them with excellent counter-attacking and we really stayed solid. Uh, but, you know, it's funny, you, you think about all these games and so many of them went on a, on one little moment or one bit of luck or ba- good luck or bad luck, bad decisions. But, and then you think, well, maybe football's always about luck, but it is, what it's about is, is mentality. You, you, you're always going to get good luck and bad luck. But the thing about when you've got a good manager, I think, is that you have a mentality that keeps going, sticks together, remains positive and tries to see it through, you know, in, in, and, and, and responds well to adversity. When you've got a manager who is kind of poisonous and is, is basically, you don't know what, who he's going to blame and he keeps changing his mind because he doesn't really know and it's all about his own ego. When adversity happens, the response is usually not useful. And I think that's the difference. And I think that in a lot of these games, I mean, in the City game, everything went our way. Let's be honest. There are other games where everything didn't go our way. But I think under Pochettino, you saw things through and you, you extracted maximum per- performances and therefore maximum points. And when you've got someone who is poisonous, the opposite happens. Um, we then drew uh, 0-0 with Chelsea, uh, defended well. Then the bizarre game, really, beating Arsenal 2-0. 
uh, the lane. Uh, really, was it like 30% possession? Second half, they had the ball all the time. Yeah. We got the two great goals of the first half. Sat back. In fairness, didn't look in date. I mean, Arsenal were so poor. We did, I can't really think of a clear-cut chance they had. And then we had the sort of the next game where we were beating a lesser team, sat back and got done. Was That was away at Palace. Palace. 1-1. One, one. Well, I, remember, was, I remember their keeper had an absolute worldy that day. Loads and loads of saves. We're all screaming, get the second goal, second goal. And all of a sudden, we're slowly just sitting back, sitting back, sitting back. Yeah, it was the cursed manager of the month again, wasn't it? Because Mourinho got awarded it right. for November's performances, which yeah. were justifiable. Five wins and one draw, I think it was. Yeah. But, that, you know, we're talking about sliding door moments. That game against Palace and subsequently the game against Liverpool were, for me the major impact on our season from a position of strength at top of the table yeah, and playing winning football, I won't say attractive football, but winning football, suddenly to go slightly wrong against Palace and then from, again, a position of strength in that Liverpool game, being in a very, very strong dominant position against the side that we're doing so poorly, to then lose to a late goal... That was a, that, that to was me was, was the blow. I think most Spurs fans realise, you know, I, I know a lot of you out there didn't want Mourinho, and I was one that was like, okay, like any Spurs manager, you've got to give this guy a chance, whether you like it or not, can he get results? That was the key game, because we all kind of thought Liverpool there for the taking, and we were right, because subsequent games they played, which they lost, shows that. Mm. And there was that key moment at one all when Steven Bergwijn went through with yeah. Alisson to beat, yeah. hit it and hit, hit the post and out yeah, that's and you kind of knew that was the moment that would have taken us top again that would have been could have given that impetus that yeah. the team needed confidence yeah. and then last I mean how many times has Spurs fans we've seen this last minute sickening goal against the set piece Firmino header and you're like that was an opportunity wasted wasn't it Thea Totally. And it's fine margins, you know, and again, like I say, in those kind of fine margins battles against other big clubs where everything's close, you need the right mentality and the right mentality comes from the right leadership. Uh, that night, we were, we were making the better chances second half. If anyone was going to win, it looked like us. Yeah. And then when, so when that winner went in, it was absolutely, you know, doubly sickening. But as I say, I, I just think, well, after that, I mean, Mourinho. First thing, his his instinct is, is when something like that happens, is who can I who can I blame this on? And then that that then there. So we didn't just lose; it affected his warped mindset, which then snowballed into something. Uh, I think Bergwijn, what Bergwijn wasn't seeing again. He was exactly. a re- he was a which is insane. He hit the post. He didn't <laughs> blast it into Rosette. Never seen again until he uh, hit Lyme the Mason post. He loved Bergwijn before then. People yeah. were saying, "Oh, he loves Bergwijn. He beats him every game." He hits the post. From a chance, you know, not an not, not absolute, it wasn't a tap in. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Kane misses chances because all goal scorers miss chances. Mm. But Bergwijn hits the post and Mourinho thinks, right, he can pay for that. But the key thing was the next game, you know, like any decent team, you think there'll be a reaction. We could have, we could have gone at them more, sickener, come on. And then we had a home performance which was as poor as the Everton game. Uh, we played Leicester at home, we lost 2 0 and we were dreadful again. There was no reaction. No. Uh, I've tried to buy a game. One of those games you just blow out your mind, but it was just and then, really, really And cool. that was followed by... Wolves. Fate of Bron- no, no. Bron- the next one was Wolves. Uh, the Wolves game. Again, leading. Yeah. Uh, threw away another lead. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of... Then we went into January. 
Leeds, we played well against 3-0. Yeah. Tactically, yeah. he got it right. They had a couple of chances early on, but tactically, he, he sussed Bielsa out well. Uh, then we had, obviously, the League Cup game, Brentford. Then, you know, for history purposes, that wonderful trip in the FA Cup third round to Marine. Uh, I know loads of Spurs fans donated, bought virtual tickets yeah. and yeah. really helped out a small club. Uh, and that was a, sort of a nice sort of distraction, I suppose. It was. From what had gone before. And then again, you know, again, we then played Fulham, goal up, all screaming, get the other goal. We sat back again. I mean, if it was just one game, you understand it. But there was an absolute pattern. That was one one all. Then Sheffield United away, decent performance, 3-1. And then you, you mentioned Joe Rodon, but I mean, this is a game I thought his confidence got shot. We then had Liverpool at home. We were poor. I mean, we weren't good. Rodon made at least one error for the goals. And at that stage, you kind of thought, what's going to happen for the season now? Because I think even then we realised top four wasn't going to happen after that performance. Pete, do you remember any of those ones? Any stick out? Are those games stick out? I've wiped them all from my memory bank. <laughs> they were so dreadful. Um, no, I, I, I can vaguely remember being so fed up with the, uh, the home performance against Liverpool. Mm. Um, and all I can remember about Sheffield United was Nondon Belly's brilliant goal absolute superb you know how that didn't get in you know sort of uh, the goal of the season on match of the day the other, the other night I don't know why but uh, after the I, Liverpool game Theo we then again we thought as we actually we then went to Brighton and lost again another awful performance yeah. uh, we then played Chelsea yeah. Uh, home and, we, and again we thought there'd be a reaction there and there wasn't we lost 1-0 yeah. I think most fans at that stage were thinking he, he's got to go now this this isn't yeah. working the players aren't reacting to whatever he's doing in training it's it's gone Yeah. and I think most people Theo thought that really was for fans that gave him a, a chance enough was enough yeah enough was enough even at that stage because it's not just you, you, I mean you, you see it in the way the team plays you can see t- you know over the years God knows I've always thought when you watch that team come out the tunnel I mean so most of us here have been going for decades mm. that's why we all look so knackered and old <laughs> to, miserable <laughs> and you know we've had ups and downs God knows but I always think sometimes you watch a team come out and play and you can tell whether, it, this sounds almost trivial, but I don't think it is. You can tell whether they're happy or not, whether they're happy in their work together as a team, whether they feel positive and they've got an effervescence about them. And, and when, once you, see, you can see it sap from teams. And, this, and under Mourinho, it sapped ages and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I think that Chelsea game was terrible. You know, I think the Liverpool game was terrible because, you know, they're beat- they were beatable teams this But week. you realise then how far we'd gone. Yeah. We weren't even, no, I, I agree. We weren't even competing. It wasn't yeah. like close. And that's that was the depressing thing. Yeah, when and we realised how far we'd And you know it's not going to come back under this regime, as you yeah. said. It's just not no way back. Then we had West Brom 2-0. And then a game where he kind of just went, fuck it, and just play on the front foot. The extraordinary cup game against Everton. <laughs> which we lost 5-4, but as Spurs At least it was entertaining. accepted, yeah. we're, 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 we'd rather lose 5-4 than not show up and lose 1-0. And it was certainly entertaining. It I was, was absolutely yeah. slaughtered by the end of that. I just, just, kept, <laughs> I just kept drinking and drinking. <laughs> when it went into extra time, I thought, oh, God. That was, that was one of the few games for about three months that I actually was transfixed. I couldn't yeah. take my eyes off the screen. Yeah, it, it most, of the, most of the other games, they were on the TV. 
and I'm doing other things, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm twittering yeah. or I'm reading or I'm talking to the missus or playing with a dog or something like that. But that Everton game actually had me spellbound because yeah. it was like old school football, you know, yeah. one end up the other, you know. Yeah, and we were, that could have gone either way. So it could have been, yeah, one hill up, three one down, yeah. you know, before half time, and you mm. just think, what the hell's going on here? There was a, a, another time when we kind of thought he could go. Now we then went to Manchester City, we comprehensively beaten three nil, um, and then West Ham again. Uh, we lost two one to West Ham, which is quite a, a rare thing. Um, we then kind of a few games that I think kind of saved him. I thought he could have gone earlier. Burnley 4 0, Fulham 1 0, Palace we played well in 4 1. And now we turn to, I think Europa was the, the Europa League was the kind of thing that if you're Daniel Leave, you're thinking Europa League, we can still yeah. win this. I can see the teams in here. Let's win this. That's, that's our way to get Champions League. And Zar grabbed the first leg. We won relatively comfortably 2 0. Yeah. I think most of us watched, well, I suppose walked away from the ground, turned the telly off, thinking that's it. You know, didn't concede. Uh, and then we had the, uh, how many times have we said this? The horrific performance at Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, Theo, again, we went a goal up. Yeah. And did the usual thing of sitting back and, and getting done. Well, we were already sitting back in that game. We were already back foot on that game. We scored that goal, the goal of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just completely rolled over, basically. Rolled over and invited them on. And it was, again, it's the mentality. It was the attitude. It was That was what was so alarming. We just sort of waited for them to pick us off. And they're a really poor team. I mean, remember, they've come, what, eighth? I mean, they're a really, really not a good team. So to lose to Arsenal in this season is is bad. Mm. I mean, as we said, I think we finished above them, but that's another thing. But it was, I mean, for me, you know, I, I, I've not been a, a Mourinho apologist, but I still felt that he could do something. And of course, there was Zagreb, which I think for me ended it. Yeah. I I wanted him out of my club straight after that game. Yeah. It was dreadful. Yeah. You know, the fact that that game, all we really needed to do was score one goal. Mm-hmm. And we end up losing 3 0. And it was 0 0 at half time. 0 0 at half time. That's the thing and again. It's not like we've, we've lost because see three goes over 90 minutes. That for me, <laughs> it was 0 0 at half time. A supposed serial winner. Yeah. To manage a side again, like that. It's a mentality difficult. thing because any decent, the sort of players we've got, the club that we are in a situation like that. It should def- it's a straightforward task to see that through, not lose three nil in Zagreb, and it's a mentality thing which came entirely from you know came from him. Mm. Yeah, uh, but he but he didn't go at this stage remarkably. No. Uh, he didn't. We then beat Villa two nil. We drew with Newcastle two two. Another game we kind of threw away. We then lost to Man United three one. Uh, not good in that one either. And then Everton two two. I think we were leading that one as well. I think Everton. Yep. Two all at Goodison Park, um, and then we we you know woke up to the news that he had been right. sacked. Yeah, strange uh, timing. Strange timing, but sacked. And you know we, we all know that he was a manager that Daniel Levy has wanted since he's been at Chelsea. Clearly, we've discussed this many many times. He was available when. Uh, Levy decided this was the time to sack Pochettino because Mourinho was available. He took that risk. He took that gamble. It didn't work. I think, again, if Levy had enough sort of football people around him who really understand the club, I know in the letter they wrote about the trust and people who live and breathe this club for two decades and all that. But if you really know football, know the Tottenham way, 
there wasn't many Spurs fans cheering from the rooftops that Mourinho was coming to Tottenham. Most of us thought it's not the right manager for the way we want to see football played. And we, we were right. We, we, we were vindicated. What was surprising, Pete, though, I think was very, very surprising, was that he decided, even at this stage, there was still quite a few games to go at this stage. Uh, and we were still in the uh, the League Cup final was still coming, obviously, uh, that next week. Yeah. Uh, to bring in Ryan Mason, who's been uh, coaching relatively, uh, you know, hardly any time at all, uh, academy football at Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, they didn't think to bring someone in who maybe have had, uh, played for Tottenham, another one with Tottenham experience, uh, but maybe had more coaching experience. I'm thinking of even something like Glenn Hoddle, or Chris Hewton to come in. Quite a few coaches, I think, that, that Ledley, who's obviously was with the first team. I know he stayed there, but it was sort of yeah, more... Chris Powell is Chris an actual Powell manager. Was, you know, he's actually yeah. done... You know. yeah. well, look, let's go to a quick break. Back in a minute. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes for premium content, including a daily news show. Go to patreon.com slash Spurs show. Get all the Spurs news during the close season. Also in the close season, we'll uh, provide you with a new Spurs treat, our new series, Top 10 Tottenham, when we talk in length with well-known Spurs show regulars, their favourite Tottenham moments of their lives. Uh, That will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, go and check that out. Uh, myself and Theo will also be appearing on the Never Write Off the Germans European Championship panel show, which we'll send you links to during the season, uh, during the, the close season. But but Ryan came in and it was, I don't know, it felt a bit to me, Levy, just going, oh, whatever. You know, Ryan, you love the club. The fans love you. Yeah. You have a go. Which is it pretty was, cynical when yeah. you think yeah. about it. It was very, very yeah. strange, that 72 hours, because just the day before he sacked Mourinho yeah. was the announcement of the European Super League. Yes. So there was yes. everything flying into my inbox and into the trust inbox about that. And then we had, obviously, the fallout um, from Mourinho being sacked. And then subsequently the club saying, no, we didn't really want to play in the ESL anyway, so we're pulling out of that after 48 hours. And it was an absolutely incredible time for, for us in the trust and for the club. I've... There were rumours at the time that some of the decision about about Mourinho going had something to do with the ESL announcement. I've no evidence of that. I've no proof of that whatsoever. But it just seemed an odd decision to make a week before the cup final and in light of the shitstorm that actually occurred through so, the announcement of the ESL. Decision. So it was the rumour that it was like a deflection, like a tro- the dead cat thing where you just chuck a dead cat and say, <laughs> never mind about the ESL, what about this? We've sat Mourinho. I don't know, because if you think back to when Pochettino left and Mourinho got appointed within 24 hours, clearly there was a plan afoot there. Mm. Um, Daniel did say to me once that he wished... He'd sacked Pochettino after the Champions League final. <sighs> yeah, said that to my face. Wow. Now, why? Why do you think? He's, why he's didn't he? I don't know. I, I, I know. He I, was, I heard he wasn't happy when Pochettino 
We didn't know at the time it was a joke or not. He turned around and said, if we win this Champions League, maybe, I, leave. I, maybe I should leave. Kind of saying, we should understand, I can't, you know, I get it. Yeah. I can't take a club any further. We've won the Champions League. But it was also the... But I heard they didn't like that. Yeah, but it was also, I mean, to put that into context, what Poch, I think, was trying to say was, where can I take Tottenham if we win the Champions League? Mm. Can I take them to the stage further? Mm. Was a question I think he was setting. And I think mm. some of that was lost in translation. What the position was clearly in that case that Daniel had already started thinking about his replacement and obviously started tapping up Mourinho and his agent, so was able to replace him within a 24-hour period. Clearly, Daniel had not done any planning to replace Mourinho. Mm. So I think there was a heat-of-the-moment decision. Now, whether it was ESL, whether it was something else, I've no idea whatsoever, but the timing of that struck me as extremely odd. What what was the oddest thing? And I think ninety nine percent of Tottenham fans wanted him go. Was happy to see him go. I think most Spurs fans were very surprised by the timing. We're playing Pep Guardiola's Manchester City in the League Cup. If Jose can do anything, it's a one off massive game where tactically he can get it right against a manager he's done well against. I mean, he already beaten them. 2-0 that season yeah. and it was a bit like um, slightly different that was the semi-final it was a bit like when George Graham was we were about to play Arsenal in the 2001 FA Cup semi-final by, yeah. and again we thought if anyone could beat the Woolwich it could be George Graham and Enoch came in even to this day never came out they said he said something to the press and brought the club into disrepute and went uh, whether they settled uh, um, privately no one quite knows and Hoddle came in, who obviously was, you know, one of the greatest players ever to play for Tottenham. But it was still even then, strange time. So Enoch got previous by doing this. Yeah. But having a rookie coach, Ryan Mason, who there's probably people in this room who could argue they've coached more at a more senior level than Ryan Mason, we're now playing, well, we're knowing a couple of weeks' time, probably the greatest team in Europe. And again, you sort of just saw any chance we had of maybe beating them has now gone, completely gone. And clearly that showed up in the uh, insipid performance that, that we put in. Where in that first half, we literally couldn't get out of our own penalty box for 45 minutes. Yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, I feel for Ryan. I've, I've met oh, the not, guy, not blaming I've met him the guy many times. He's such a lovely He's guy. He's been on the show, lovely guy. Superb. And I hope uh, he continues working at Spurs in some capacity. But there were... To, to, to raise the level of the players from the depths of where they were at the time in a few days. There was a good result against Southampton, so there was a reaction there. And then, to, you know, to come up against, as you say, you know, probably the best team in Europe, maybe the best team in the world at the moment, was a real challenge. And I think we all expected to get severely trounced. We didn't. More but trounced 1-0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but when you get chance one nil, you can you're in the game all the way through, especially with the players we had. I mean, yeah, there was always a chance. Yeah. But, it, but that's again the frustrating thing that yeah. as the game we went on, we thought well, we could nick this because they haven't scored, and then we yeah. see to a, a set, set piece, piece. Set piece yeah. against Man City of all yeah. clubs. Again, yeah, that's the frustrating thing. And how many times have we considered that type of goal? Yeah. Ball coming in the box, two centre backs not getting there, someone getting in before us. That I'm sure. I, I'm sure I was cursed. I'm sure we all think we were cursed as Spurs fans, you know. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Player was running away from the goal and pushed him in the back to give away a free kick. Uh, anyway, so that was that. Uh, we then um, beat Sheffield United four 0 
Um, and then we had these four games where we thought if we could win every game, we were pretty much guaranteed Europa League football, uh, at the very least. Um, and then another awful performance away at Leeds, Theo, 3-1. Yeah, outplayed by... I mean, Leeds are everyone's favourite sort of you know, other team, aren't they, in terms of because of Bielsa? <laughs> no, we hate them as a club. We hate the fans. We all know that if we ever go up there again, we're all going to get chased down the street. <laughs> but um, no, because they play really great football and they play the same way every time and uh, they blew us away with that with that style and, you know, application that Bielsa's given them. And it, it, was a, it was a lesson in what a manager can give you. Because if you actually look at that Leeds side, they're not very different from the team that was in the championship. Not, and in not fact, many star players at all. None at all, really. I mean, Phillips is a good player. Obviously, yeah, he plays for England. But, I mean, there are no stars apart from... I mean, he's not even a star, you know, really. I mean, and, and uh, Bielsa took that team on. He didn't buy many players. It's not actually that different from the team that he inherited. Mm. And they were struggling to get out of that division. Yeah. So that is a great example. And it's no coincidence that Pochettino is a disciple of Bielsa, you know, of a coach who says, just give me some players. They don't have to be superstars. Give me some players and I will impose. And if they buy into what the way I want to do it and tactics, and they completely blew us away, which I thought was quite uh, telling, actually, because it just made me think, yeah, that's what we need. We need that again and as quickly as possible. Yeah, it just shows what can be done, you know, yeah. with a really good coach yeah. and a squad of players who are prepared to die for the shirt. Yeah. Mm. Then uh, we beat Wolves 2-0 and then we went into the last two games of the season with West Ham slipping up, knowing win two games, we're in the Europa League again, which I think most of us thought, you know what, after the season we had finishing where we finished last season, won't be too bad. And again, I mean, such idiots, I suppose, but so well, we're so sort of positive most of the time. Yeah. None of us saw us losing to Villa at home. I'm sorry. No. None of us no. saw us losing that game. No. And it was just another, just another awful defeat. Yeah. I mean, hard to say. Poor old Brian Mason, who I think actually has been used as a kind of, as a kind of stooge, really, because, uh, you know, one thing that Levy knew when he put him in charge, when he could have put Chris Powell in charge, who's much more experienced, or, or any other, like you said, other people. But he put Ryan Mason in charge because he knows that Tottenham fans are never going to turn on Ryan Mason. Mm. Or, well, they probably would if he did it for another year. But, because like they did Aussie and Glenn, but you're not going to turn on uh, Ryan Mason between now and the end of the season. So but that Ryan was... Mason, a total rookie, and his, his record has been completely up and down. Win one, lose yeah. one, win one, lose one. And we were we due to lose one. Lost two, one, four. But the, the, again, the, the obsessing thing, I'm sure a few of you here uh, won tickets to the ballot. To finally go back to White Hart Lane, see your friends, be there, see hopefully Bell and Kane and, and whatever. And at half time, the 10,000 Spurs fans booed the team off <laughs> at halftime. Hmm? We haven't been there for a year. <laughs> yeah. Boo! I mean, that's the frustration. Even through a mask, it came oh, through. Yeah, yeah. It said, you want to get your money's worth. If it, if it, if it requires booing, you want to boo. It must, it must have felt great. I wish I was there. Yeah. Oh, it was so frustrating. So frustrating. Especially having taken the lead to that brilliant goal by Stevie B. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the way... Yeah, we mentioned it previously about Reguilón, you know, and the two goals that were basically down to him and one or two others, but mm. were down to him mainly. Um, and the second half, again, you expected a little bit of a life, a little bit of a lift. The crowd would lift the team, the team would lift the crowd. Nothing happened. Mm. Very little happened. Yeah. So that was it. That was the season that was finishing seventh. Uh, we obviously finished sixth the season before. 
the European Alliance League, which we touched upon at the top of the show. Searching for a coach. I mean, there's... There's, as we mentioned, the top of the, there's quite a few players that they all hope to move on and get off the wage bill. I'd be very surprised if we saw Sanchez play for Tottenham again, Aurier, even Dyer, uh, Lamella, Hart, uh, Winks, possibly being an English player. They could probably get decent money from a, a lesser Premier League team. Well, well, I think he'll do a good job, I think. Yeah. Um, Skip and Cessignon coming in. There's still room, I think, for, for at least five new players having to come in who can immediately improve that that team, Pete. Yeah, as I said earlier, you know, the financial situation, I think, is going to be against us. You know, if we do get some big money in through sales of players, that's going to go towards strengthening the side. But I can't see us splashing out 50, 60, 70 million for any player. Mm. I think the attitude of the board will still be as they previously worked on, you know, by Young with a potential sell-on value. Um, where they're going to come from, I don't know. Um, I do like the look of the Brentford centre forward, Tony. Yep. But that's going to be reliant on if they are successful in the playoff or not. Watkins um, was another one I liked. At, uh, yeah, I must. Watkins yeah. was another I, one, but yeah. they Martin don't need didn't to want sell. To play second fiddle to Kane. Yeah. It was interesting. I was listening <laughs> I mean, to Kane Steve. Steve Perry, I was listening to Steve Perriman's podcast because obviously he's mm. got contacts with Brentford, and obviously um, Watkins was at Exeter, and he said that Spurs had looked at him very, very closely, but had decided not to go for him because it was felt of his age, and he'd picked up too many bad habits. That's another decision that's probably going to rebound back in our face. What sort of bad habits? Bad habits on the football pitch. Really? Nothing, nothing more than that. Sorry, I should have clarified that. I didn't mean anything yeah. by it. But Bites his <laughs> nails. Terrible. Yeah, terrible habit. Absolute disgrace. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, and while, while we've got you here, Pete, because obviously in the last few weeks, well, more than a few weeks, but certainly um, there was a kind of standoff between the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust and yeah. the board. Certain things were said through the press uh, yeah. about the trust, effectively. And uh, private, way, privately. Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I believe you, you had a you had a sit-down with them, was it last Tuesday? Yes. And how, how did that... I, I, maybe the, I'm, I'm, sure, well, I mean, I'm sure you can tell us as much as you can tell us what, what was said. Yeah, we're, we are talking. Yeah. Um, the stumbling block, apart from us calling for the executive board's heads... Mm. But that went down well. That went down how really well. How was it well. when you went in? Was there any sort of like chit chat? How are you? How are the kids? No, Daniel. Was there anything of that before we sat down? There was a little bit of it. Daniel came in <laughs> and said, Oh, you're the guys who want to kill me. Oh. And I said, oh, Excuse us. We're nothing to do with any of those protests and certainly nothing to do with any of the chance. And we don't support that in any way, shape, or, mm. shape or form. So there was some humour. Mm. Um, there was a lot of work done by mediators in the background to get us to that stage. Right. What it meant was that we were not able to discuss the ESL decision. We were not allowed to discuss ownership of the club. Was this told you before the meeting, this don't was, bring this, this up? This was on the don't basis. This up. is how the meeting... Right. You can have this meeting, but, but okay. these are not to be discussed. In and presumably you, you imposed conditions on the meeting as well. We did as well, yeah. because we, it was, we felt it was important that despite... Uh, overall membership asking for that as a condition 
that we had to talk, given that Tottenham had suddenly had a massive change of heart in coming up with this advisory panel. Yeah. And the apology three weeks later, we yeah. now apologise. Yeah. And the yeah. appointment of a non-executive director as an appointee of the advisory panel, in other words, from all of the fans, supporters, associations and clubs. So that would be not only the supporters' trust, but would also cover the official supporters' clubs. It would cover Proud Lily Whites. It would cover the disabled group or the, like the Spurs Ability Group. Um, LGBTQ groups. So there's this idea that there's going to be a panel of all of those groups with representatives on who then report to the fan non-executive director who sits on the board, who has a vote. It's um, uh, What the club are saying is that that would not necessarily give power of veto the position is, as far as the government lib review is, we're putting a submission into them. And one of the things that we're talking about is the fact that that fan representative on the board must have power. So, for example, if in six months' time the ESL raises its ugly head again, that fan representative, assuming that the panel advised that person to do so, could say, no, as a club, we will not go into that. And that ties the club's hands. Because... If that fan representative doesn't have that power, what's the point? point? It would just be another sounding board. Mm. And the club, to be fair, do listen to us. You know, I've been on the board for four years. They have listened to us. They don't always agree with us. That's understood. They're running a multi-million pound business. But when, I think it was mentioned earlier, when it was said about a fan on the board, and Daniel said, I'm a fan, and there are many other fans on the board, Simon Bamber, God rest his soul, was one of them. Um, these people say they're fans, but they don't have the match day experience. They don't have the 50 years of almost obsession that I have as a fan, and I'm sure a lot of you do as well. So when they say, trust us, Daniel said, trust us, we can make the right decision. We're a fan. We understand. And then go and sign up to the ESL. You sit there and think, well, are they really listening to what we're saying? The thing, that, the thing that I gleaned uh, was the straw that broke the camel's back was the fact the trust said you have brought up the European Super League many, many times with them yeah. or, or, or things in that form, you know, the actual name of it. Yeah. And they have category said into your face or not, not you or Martin or Kat absolutely no way we're having no talks it's not happening yeah. and was that the thing where the real trust was broken down Defi- definitely you know the meeting we had in december of last year um it's on record uh in our minutes on our website that daniel said he, he was the guy who actually said you know i'm a fan many of the border fans we know the right thing to do for this club you can trust us to make the right decision Having said that, you know, we're not talking about the ESL, we're not talking about, um, I think the Premier League were also going through a process of um, redefining what was going on. Um, so they were not prepared to share anything with us at all. To this day, I'm not quite sure when Tottenham showed interest in the ESL. Um, that might come out one day. 
I'm not quite sure it was some of the messages that I'm reading at the moment, which I can only assume for being fed from the club, that it was almost like a last-minute decision. Oh, we heard about it. We thought it was better to be on board than off board. Right, it's a party last minute. Just being there's a yeah, party. Yeah, oh, can yeah. I come along? Yeah, come yeah, along. Yeah, bring a can of party seven. <laughs> yeah. Um, so f- I'm I'm pleased that we're now talking to the board. I'm pleased that we've obviously we're actually working on a submission to the government for the fan lab review, and we're going through that process. We're going through a process with the club to actually work out what their proposals for this advisory panel is going to be. We're talking about how and who could become that non-executive director. One thing to be clear, it will not be a member of our board. Our rules prohibit that. That's really a conflict of interests. And it was interesting in the very friendly meeting that we did have on Zoom with Daniel and Donna that the club think that they will have the right, the veto, in appointing that non-executive director as the fan representative. Really? The club have said, if we're going to accept them as a director, they will have to meet certain terms and conditions and would have to be approved by us. Wow, interesting. That concerns me, Mm. especially if... The advisory panel, when it's set up, come up with a name or come up with two or three names and they're not accepted by the club and the club put someone else in that place. So, Do you think they kind of want a yes man or woman who <laughs> won't really rock the boat, won't sort of pass forward... The thoughts of the fans. Time, time will tell. And we'll just... I, time sure will tell. It is a major concern. Like. It is a major concern of ours. But, I mean, I don't think it's unusual for a board to say, you know, it's got to be up to us. You can't have a, you can't have a director imposed upon us. I mean, that's, that's pretty normal, isn't it? Uh, but I also think they're not stupid enough to think they can just get somebody who's just going to say yes to everything. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to drag someone off the street, you know. Yeah. One of the things that annoyed me personally was when the club had a go back at us. And they were talking about, you know, what is it? Well, we've got 20 years of passion for yeah. the club or whatever, however it was phrased. While getting fully paid. And whilst they're getting extremely well remunerated, we're doing it on a voluntary basis. And the skill sets that we have on our board are as comparable as the Tottenham Hotspur board. You know, I was uh, in government for 43 years. I was head of compliance for the organisation I work for. Um... We have financiers, we have people very well connected in the political sphere, Um, we have trade unionists, we have journalists. So, you know, we're not the idiot on the street banging at the window, screaming and singing horrible songs about Daniel. You know, we do have a massive skill set. And we also have a lot of people as well supporting us who are members who have even wider skill bases. You know, corporate lawyers, for example, who can advise us on some of the company's law that we need to get our head around to uh, to think about how we can uh, push for a, a really valuable non-executive director on that board. Right, well, we're running out of time. You can ask us off air. Ask us off air because we're, we're, we're running out of time and we've got a very special show coming up for those people here and uh, you can probably hear this show uh, next week with ex-Totten defender Dean Austin. So for, for now, please show your appreciations for our last proper weekly show 
of the season, Theo Delaney and Pete Hayne. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Until then, how about you, Spurs? Well, it's a 10-minute break. This is a playback uh, media the bar, production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.